Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. The way this Taylor Travis stuff has progressed since the first time, which was September 12th, is wild. We've had an absolutely wild four weeks of this romance. I think what I can't get over is that we factually know that they are still in the beginning stages of their relationship. And a lot of times when we look at celebrity couples and it's like, oh, they've made their debut and now we're kind of watching them a month in, we have the background knowledge of they're letting us see that, right? Like, Typically, they'd been dating for a couple months prior, and now they're taking it to the public. But we know based on their timeline that we are seeing a very public version of a relationship that's still in its very, very early stages. I know we never get that. And that's why, I mean, listen, not to say everyone wouldn't be losing it in this way regardless, but it's also the newness of it that is contributing to that feeling for sure. I think that this would be an entirely different relationship and an entirely different point of view from the public had rumors about them come out in, let's say, March. And now we are in September seeing her attend his games. It's like, okay, that makes sense. They've been dating for a while. They kind of kept it under wraps and now they're allowing the public in. I just don't think we ever see celebrities interact in this way, knowing how new the relationship is. Well, it's such a big scale. Also, obviously we had her at the games, which like you guys were there for that podcast where we were reacting in real time, literally watching that video one second before pressing record. But since then, I mean, as of literally last night, they're at SNL together. He makes a cameo at the end of an SNL skit that is entirely based on him dating Taylor and the NFL's obsession with the whole thing. And she's there and she introduces Ice Spice. And then they're seen hands in hand walking into the after party at Catch, not to mention Pete Davidson and Madeline Klein right behind them. Like there's so much happening. I am entirely overwhelmed by it and obsessed with it. And I have to ask the question. I have to ask the question because I 
would never, ever in a typical relationship ask this this early on with a celebrity couple. But is this endgame here? I think for me, my focus is so much less on could this be it and so much more so on what this moment in time means. And I actually wanted to go to a page six article from October 3rd, which is the week we were off. Like, we literally have not spoken about this in weeks. And let me just read this one little excerpt and then I want to talk about it. It says, Taylor Swift is reportedly optimistic about her future with Travis Kelsey. The lovebirds, quote, talk every day, according to Us Weekly. Quote, Taylor's really enjoying getting to know Travis. They're taking it day by day, but she has high hopes. Taylor apparently likes that the NFL star is a normal, nice guy who's down to earth, not affected by fame and quote, so hot. <laughs> yes. Quote, Taylor has decided she's not going to hide anymore. She's going to be her authentic self and enjoy life, the source added, referencing Swift's very private six-year relationship with Joe Alwyn, which ended this past spring. A second source told the outlet that the pop star, who's on a break following the first leg of her Eras tour, is quote, doing all the things she hasn't had time for lately, including going out with her friends and staying out late. Quote, Taylor is at a point in her life where she's no longer willing to hold back, the second source shared. If something feels right, like it does with Travis, she's jumping in with both feet. She's very happy and loving life right now. Okay, the reason that I wanted to read that is because my response was so strong to that and not from the perspective of like the way I would imagine a diehard Swifty would respond to that, meaning like just so overwhelmingly happy that she's apparently so happy. Obviously, as any human being, you feel that, like you want people to be happy. But to me, it's so much more so from the angle of how she is as a celebrity, meaning everything is so curated typically. And clearly aspects of this Travis rollout have been curated. You don't just show up at SNL last minute, like certain thought had to go into it. But I just feel like there is an air of spontaneity to this. And one thing about Taylor Swift, and she's the first one to say it, spontaneity isn't necessarily the way she typically presents herself to the world. There's typically such a method to the madness and this really meticulous kind of rollout. And I'm not saying pieces of that don't exist here. I'm not naive enough to think that it doesn't. I just have to imagine this whole thing happened a little bit more spontaneously than maybe she had given herself permission to previously. And that is the part that I feel so exciting because that's why it feels so raw to me. I completely agree. And you know, something I was thinking about is obviously the response to this and how public it is, is in such direct contrast to what we saw with Taylor and Joe Alwyn. And I think specifically for Swifties, that has been such a point of analysis with this relationship. And, you know, I can't say it in terms of all of Taylor's relationships or anything prior to Joe Alwyn, because I, I, I honestly can't remember that far back. And also I wasn't well enough informed on those relationships. But I will say that something that we've seen since this breakup with Joe Allen is it does feel like her relationships are kind of an overcorrection of the previous one. And so what I think is really interesting is, yes, with Travis Kelsey now, there's this, you know, huge public response and also this public showing that, you know, they have been putting on and specifically Taylor has been putting on by going to his games and, you know, it's it's been connected right back to Joe. But there was also that in-between of Maddie Healy where that was very public. You know, that took us by surprise in a way that I think we've forgotten about amidst all of the Travis Kelsey stuff. But, you know, you had Taylor and him kind of giving each other signals and saying things on stage. And you had them leaving the show together and you had him at her show. And that was kind of the first step of that overly public relationship that we never saw with her and Joe. 
And then what I think that we're now seeing with Travis Kelsey in terms of the overcorrection or a correction maybe is maintaining that level of, of openness and like uh, not in hiding that she had with Joe, but also dating somebody where the public support is so clearly on her side. Like she is dating somebody that everybody else likes as much as she did, which wasn't something that could be said for Maddie Healy. I'll go as far as to say likes more than she does because a lot of people have been on board with him before she even knew who he was. Right. The other thing I was really thinking about today, and this is specifically post SNL, it's not a fully formed thought. So I don't know if I'll express it as clearly as I want to, but like we are talking about debatably the most famous pop star in the entire world here. And no matter who she were to date, there's always a very real chance that the public would think that the other person's intentions were not entirely pure, maybe a little bit cloud-focused, maybe a little bit fame-focused. And even with this relationship that I would say the overwhelming opinion is people being on board, there was a moment there in the beginning when people felt like he was getting too comfortable. You remember, people were like, I don't know, I think I think he's leaning too much in. This feels a little cloud chasey. Taylor should be careful. That was certainly something that was rumbling. And then I think given the past few weeks and the way that it's been going, people reeled that in and are now still very much on board. But like, The thing that I can't get over is that you already have a public that is ready to pounce at any moment if they get even a hint that this is, quote, for the wrong reasons. And then you have them doing like what would be considered or could be considered kind of gimmicky things. I obviously fucking love it, but him making a cameo at the end of an SNL skit that is about them and her then coming out later on to introduce Ice Spice and then them walking hand in hand into the after party, like There's certainly a world in which if people did not like him as much as they did, they would be coming for him. They would say, wow, this guy is milking this for every single thing that it's worth. And I'm not saying there aren't people that are saying that, but the overwhelming majority is not. The overwhelming majority is like, wow, how cool that she's down for this to be this public because he's this great of a guy like that they're both leaning in. That's the piece of this that I can't get over because everything would prepare you to think people would be coming for him because of how down he is to make it public. But the reason they can't is because she's just as down. Nobody ever expected that reality. No, I I mean, we certainly didn't expect within the first couple weeks of them dating that we were going to see her at his game, not once, not twice, but now three times. And it's because of the way that she has leaned into this and almost taken on the same role that he has taken on that people can, I don't even think people need to ignore like the potential quote clout chasing signs. I think that people just trust that that's not what it is. I think there was a moment there, you're hundred percent right, where people were kind of wary of that. And then once we saw the way that Taylor was just so all in, it was like, oh, they're just both all in. Like there's just like nothing to hide here. And I think that what the public was kind of used to in relationships that Taylor was in was her fame was so overwhelming for the guy that it made him feel emasculated or overshadowed. And then she had to compensate for that. And I think it's only now that we're seeing the way that Travis is with her. It's like that tweet that's been going around since they first started dating where it was like, wow, Travis Kelsey seems to be the first guy dating Taylor Swift that understands that he's dating Taylor Swift. And I think Taylor likes that. I think her fans fucking love that. And he clearly likes that. And so overall, it seems like everybody's kind of just on the same page. But yeah, there's a hilarious element of all of this where, of course, it could be seen if Taylor wasn't leaning in the same way as as a little bit clout chasery because think about it. Like, yes, 
he is a big time fucking NFL star. He is very, very famous. He is one of the most well-known athletes there is. But at the same time, this is just a guy with a podcast. (laughs) Not a guy with a podcast. I mean, he is just a white guy with a podcast. (laughs) So hilarious. We have the same job as Travis Kelsey when you like really put, no, we do. I, what's the difference? I can't believe Taylor Swift's dating a podcaster. <laughs> That's what I feel like I've been saying. It's like, why are we ignoring everything with the fact that like Taylor Swift, the most famous pop star, one of the most famous people on the face of the planet is dating a guy with a podcast. <laughs> Who could we date? What have I been telling you, Julie? Mm. Have the mindset that the world is your oyster because it really is. Like we are our own, we are the only thing stopping us. I, um, I swear to God. No, no, don't on me. It's true. Why can't it be you? Why can't it be me doing what though? <laughs> Dating whoever it is that you want to date. Okay. You do not sound sold. Um, this conversation is coming in the middle of like a... Uh, would you call it a bit of a dry spell? Is that is that a fair thing to say? I would just classify it as a, a bad time. <laughs> I'm just I would classify it as I am straight up not having a good time. Yeah. Well, more on that later. But anyway, in conclusion, first of all, motivating for podcasters everywhere. I completely agree. That is really the core of this. And second of all, let's just see more of this. Whatever to you two, whatever you're doing, you're doing great. We are loving it. We cannot get enough of it. Keep it coming. And it really is the thing in pop culture that I think is keeping us going right now. And to that, I can certainly say amen. Amen. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, 
from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. The other thing I just want to quickly mention is it was the Eras Tour movie premiere and Beyonce showed up, which like, I don't know if anyone else had the reaction that Julie and I had to these photos, but there was just something about Taylor and Beyonce together on that carpet and sitting in that theater that felt so fake to us. Like you kept asking me, is this AI? And for some reason, that's exactly how I felt. It was just so much power in one picture. I don't know what about it was so shocking to me. Like it's not the craziest thing in the world that Beyonce came, but it, it felt like it. It is. It is the crazy. Beyonce doesn't go to anything. The way that I felt about Beyonce being at this Eras Tour concert is exactly how I felt when she did lip sync with Channing Tatum, where it was like, how did we, how did we get her here? Like you understand that like Beyonce went to an AMC theater, right? Like that's that's what we're. It's not about the friendship with Taylor, which by the way, I even I, I don't know if I'm an outlier here. It's not like I didn't assume that they respected each other and knew each other. You know, obviously they've overlapped many a time, but I don't think I realized the extent of their personal relationship that Beyonce would have done this and shown up for Taylor in this way, in a way that Beyonce literally never does. And also, wait, I want to read I want to read Taylor's caption. I'm so glad I'll never know what my life would have been like without Beyonce's influence. The way she's taught me and every artist out here to break rules and defy industry norms, her generosity of spirit, her resilience and versatility. She's been a guiding light throughout my career. And the fact that she showed up tonight was like an actual fairy tale. I was like, I'm glad that you think it was like a fairy tale because I think it's like a fairy tale too. Remember waking up to those photos? We had such a strong reaction to that. Well, I saw it in the middle of the night and in like full transparency, like I just have not been sleeping great the past week or so. And so like every time I've opened my phone in the middle of the night, it obviously has been very news related. And so it's like to have woken up in the middle of the night and checked my phone and expected to see just like horrible things and then seen Taylor Swift and Beyonce together. It was like, A, a moment of like, I needed that, but also like, I've never been more confused in my entire life because I was like, oh, I have to be dreaming because like for the past week that I've checked my phone, it has been nothing of the sort. And I never thought I was going to check my phone and see Beyonce at an AMC with Taylor Swift. Which then really got me thinking like, do they sit through the Nicole Kidman commercial together? (laughs) Could you, like, that's what I want footage of. I want footage of that coming on and Taylor and Beyonce turning to one another and being like, we come to this place for magic. Like chills. Did they know about that prior to whatever deal they both have for their movies to be in theaters? Like, was their first time understanding Nicole? Like, I never understand the extent to which celebrities understand like our things. And like, that's what I always feel like with a lot of Beyonce's references in her songs where I'm like, how, how, who taught you that? Like in the Savage remix when Beyonce references OnlyFans, I'm like, how did you possibly come up? What do you know? Like, what do you know? I, 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 if I could have one thing, it would be to understand the extent of meme culture and Twitter culture and, and that knowledge that like each celebrity has. Where do you fall on the scale? 
Well, that's why one of my favorite conversations ever is just the discussion on celebrity finstas and celebrities having anonymous TikTok accounts where they can just kind of scroll and understand like what is making up humor these days. And I don't mean from the perspective of what TikToks they're going to do. That's something their PR team is sitting them down, their creative team is sitting them down, telling them, all right, today, this is what you're doing. I more so mean, at what level would you understand or be able to make references that your average social media user would be making based on what is considered comedy? And by the way, it's like a side note to that. Even though, of course, Taylor and Travis understand the way that their relationship has like rocked the NFL. There was something about knowing for 100% fact that they watched that skit that was like satisfying to me because obviously you're aware that like they get it clearly that it's impossible to not. There was just something about them literally being in the building and I mean him being involved in it that just felt so strangely satisfying. It's like, we know you know, but I love getting the confirmation that you know. That's exactly how I felt. But another time that I really felt that way throughout the course of this episode was Pete doing the I'm just Pete sketch. And the thing with Pete that makes it a little bit different than Taylor and Travis is that Pete is very aware of what is said about him and Pete often pokes fun at it. But there was just something about that specific sketch and that specific song that really brought every single thing to light. and. Yeah, it was just this incredible moment of not just self-awareness, but like internet and culture awareness. It was a really good example. And I also think specifically with Pete, because of the fact that he is so outwardly not on social media, like it's it's almost become a part of his brand, the fact that he really stays away from that. There's something even more satisfying about watching a skit like that from someone like him who's like not chronically online. Whereas there are a lot of celebrities that are and have made it part of their brand. If anything, it's the opposite for him. Right. Yes. I am so excited to say that this segment is in partnership with Apple TV+. You guys know I'm not the biggest TV watcher, so when I find a show that I love, I really go for it. And the way that I have been obsessed with The Morning Show is unlike anything I've seen for myself and certainly unlike anything Julie's ever seen for me. Right? Like, I never get like this. No, truthfully, you are hooked. I am hooked, but I feel like I never see this from you. And it's so exciting for me to watch you be so obsessed with a show. And then on top of that, I feel like anytime we get to do a partnership with something that we love and we're so passionate about, we're so excited. And so this really takes the cake. No, this is a big one. I mean, just the cast alone, you're watching the show and you can't believe that all of these people are on your screen at the same time. Like it already makes for such an exceptional viewing experience. And this entire season, so much has happened. Obviously, there's a million things to discuss. I really want to zone in on episode six, but I would say season three, the thing I'm the most tuned into is kind of just the sexiness of it, the secrecy, the drama. It's feeling very salacious, which is everything that I want in a show. And I think kind of the first thing that I want to touch on more generally, but we definitely do see it in this episode, you know, specifically when Alex and Bradley meet up as Alex is going to interview Paul, their evolving relationship and friendship and how it's certainly not linear, but we've kind of reached a point where you can see they respect one another for their craft. And I think at this point as people. Oh, absolutely. And it's something that we've certainly seen evolve over the seasons. And it's so 
enjoyable to watch their relationship progress, knowing that it's two characters that are played by actors that you know well. It makes you want to root for them because you know there's a friendship behind the scenes as well. That's what I was going to say. Not just actors that we know well from having watched them for so many years, but also actors that you know for a fact like are genuinely good friends. I mean, I said this to you from the first episode that we watched. There's just something so incredibly comforting about seeing both Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston on your screen. It doesn't get better than that. It doesn't. Also, just, I'm sorry, I like can't wait another minute without talking about this. Obviously, this has been building from the beginning of season three, the first time that Alex and Paul meet one another. But when she is leaving his house and they have that moment, I thought I was going to lose my mind. And I watched the episode before you did. So I was like live texting you like, Julie, you are going to lose your mind. That is, it's too much to take. That was one of my favorite things I've seen come across my screen, if I'm being honest. When they're like, yeah, it's not like we're in bed together metaphorically speaking. And he's like, and literally, I was like, no, stop it right now, John Ham, You are killing me. Actually am? I, I know. I, right? Like, Yeah, I know. I know. Because as you're talking, you're thinking about it. I'm doing the same thing. I know. The other thing that was just like such a relatable moment is when they're first making out by the door and she's like, no, 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 we can't do this. And she kind of stops herself and she's like, yes, I just got to, I just got to get my jacket. Meanwhile, like she's holding her jacket. To me, that was such a relatable moment of like trying to do anything in that moment to kind of center yourself. Meanwhile, like it was, it was far gone at that point, you know? It was far gone. I also think there's something so exciting about watching this relationship develop because not only are you tuned into what's going to happen with the both of them, but also John Hamm's character is a very new character to the show. There's a lot that we have not figured out about him yet. I think we've actually only scratched the surface. And so to kind of figure him out while we're figuring out their relationship is such an exciting thing to, to watch unfold before our eyes. Did you think Stella was going to be the intern they were talking about in the interview? Did you see that coming? No, I mean, when they're talking about the thing in the interview, I knew it was going to be Stella just because of the way that she was reacting. But when they had their first interaction that we saw as viewers, not fully knowing what their past was, but knowing there had to have been something based on the photo that we saw in Stella's phone, I no part of me thought there was going to be a negative past. I just thought they knew each other. There was some sort of a secret there, but I didn't I didn't expect that the secret was going to be anything close to that. No. No. And then when they're discussing it for the first time, it's kind of when he hits her with the fact that in his eyes, she's replacing Corey, which like, am I terrible for not hating Corey? I don't hate him. That's what I've been going back and forth with and struggling with. Like, I, I actually, what I can't figure out is, are we meant to? I don't know. I find him actually to be very interesting in the way that he handles these pretty massive conflicts that arise, some that I actually would say are caused by him, but he has this kind of very unique way of getting out of things, which I, maybe I just like following that path. I mean, first of all, we're coming off of last season when he admits his feelings to Bradley, which I don't even think was this like long awaited thing, meaning that he was planning on doing it. I actually think when he said it, there was a part of him that was saying it for the first time to himself also. But when him and Bradley are referring to the secret, I don't know exactly what happened. I have to imagine something transpired after him, you know, expressing his feelings. Well, going off of that, just in terms of Corey's character and also the secret that they're harboring, that is such a common theme that we're seeing throughout the entire season and the entire show, honestly. Like all of these characters are complex characters. I wouldn't say that there's one where they are 
entirely good with nothing in their past or nothing in terms of their character that makes you question them at all. I think every single person that we've seen has something that makes them complex, which is what makes them human and what makes them relatable characters. But then also on top of that is all of these secrets that seem to arise this season that we're constantly navigating and trying to figure out. And I I actually feel like there's this sort of theme of secrets popping up where you don't give them much thought until the secret itself is then revealed. What about the fact that Chip lied about having COVID in order to be able to do the show with Alex? That is certainly something that will have to be tackled at some point. And you can tell, you know, him and Alex have this very interesting relationship where like, it's, I, I don't know, because initially I thought he was in love with her and maybe on some level that does still exist, but there is kind of a codependence with each other. Oh, absolutely. Just speaking of the way that COVID impacted the show and impacted the lives of these characters in a more general sense, I think that's one of my favorite parts of the show is that the news that they're reporting on, the things that they're dealing with in their personal lives, at their jobs, the things that are going on in the world around them, it's all rooted in truth. It's all of the real things that are happening to us and around us and to the people that we love and people we work with. And so all of these, you know, things that come up for them in terms of real life situations, it just feels more powerful that they're rooted in in the truth. Oh, I very much feel the same way on that. And kind of going off on that, not that this was episode six, but earlier on this season, we see that sit down between Sybil and Chris, where that is a prime example of how the show really touches on real issues in the workplace in America. And I think just it handles it with a lot of seriousness, a lot of care. And to me, the, the rawness of that interaction on both sides was really impactful. I just am so hooked on this show. Like I cannot get enough. I'm telling you guys, if you're not watching, you're you're really you're gonna regret it. And I'm also noticing that like I would be missing out on so many references in conversation. I didn't realize how much it comes up in conversation until I was at Breakfast a few weeks ago and my entire family was talking about it. And like they they thought it was the coolest thing that we were, you know, partnering with Apple TV for this. So just a huge fan, cannot get enough, cannot recommend it enough. Please watch with us so that we can come back around the finale and discuss it again. There's just so much to get into. And again, this segment is in partnership with Apple TV Plus. The other thing, by the way, with with Pete is like, we've heard about this Madeline Klein rumor for a little while now. We were pretty sure that it was happening, but you know, here they are post SNL going into the after party together. It's, it's a thing. Oh, it's clearly happening. I am really a fan of this couple. I mean, this was their first public appearance. Initially, Us Weekly had broken September that he started seeing her about a month after his split from Chase Suey Wonders. And a source then told Us Weekly that they've only been together for several weeks, but are already close. Quote, Madeline and Pete had hoped to remain low-key for a while, especially because Madeline is a really private person. But they spent a lot of time together and have built a strong bond in a short period of time. Which to that I say, like, I know it's not really the point. Everyone is an adult here. They can do whatever they want. But if I'm Chase Suey Wonders... And a month after we break up, there's already these rumors and you know, now it's publicly being seen with her. I'm not saying it's like wrong necessarily, but it certainly isn't something I would be thrilled about. I mean, listen, Pete's a relationship guy. Like that is just how it is with him. And what is being described in this relationship with Madeline Klein in terms of, you know, they wanted to take things slow, but there's this connection there and, you know, it's it's kind of progressing faster than they thought. And that's why they're willing to be seen a little bit more in public together. That's the pattern of Pete. And 
I don't say that with a negative connotation because I think that when people discuss like, what is it about Pete Davidson? Yes, he's funny. Yeah, he's a really, really nice guy. He has a great reputation. But here's a huge aspect of it that doesn't always get spoken about, but is so clearly the case. He is not commitment phobic. Whatever problems occur for him in relationships or whatever it is that comes up that, you know, he always ends up in a different relationship. It's not because he is doing it and then he gets bored and he moves on to the next person so quickly. Like he is down to be in a relationship. He is down to fully commit. And I think for a lot of women, that is not the easiest quality to find, especially in Hollywood. I think that's somewhat of a challenge. And so I think a huge aspect of why these women are really drawn to him is because they know they are entering a relationship with somebody where how they feel about commitment is completely pre-vetted. The way that I feel about hearing you say that is that I'm so frustrated and annoyed at how strongly I agree with you that that could potentially be something that would be enticing to a woman that is starting to date P. Davidson. Meaning like, it should not be something that is so infrequent that it's rewarded. Meaning like, men that are not commitment phobic should not be so hard to come by that when you find them, that is like one of the the qualities that you want to hold on to the most. It's like, I hate that that is a thing. And I wish that I could say to you that I feel that that's so much more of a stereotype, but I, I just think it's the truth. I do too. It's so fucking annoying. Why, like, that's crazy. I know. And you and I have spoken about that a lot. And I really, and I think that's part of the reason actually that I feel that way when I think about Pete dating these women is because you and I have had that conversation so often where I'm, I'm really attuned to it, but you know, there's, there's the aspect of Pete as well, where I think a lot of women have that nurturing side to them where they get often caught in the trap of like, Oh, I can fix him. And I feel like Pete really brings that out in a lot of women where they feel like, oh, I, I can fix him. Like I can, I can be the one to fix him. And I think a lot of times when women fall into that trap, it's like, oh, I can fix him. And also I can be the one that's going to make him, you know, commit. I'm going to be the one that's going to make him realize why being in a relationship is good and why he can commit. What Pete brings out essentially in doing that is you kind of get the fix if that's your thing of like, I can fix him without having to convince him. The I can fix him mindset is really something you got to be so careful of because I have to tell you, just like on a personal note, and obviously I know you and I speak about this all the time. I really have worked through that, meaning I no longer find that enticing. Like it's not something that I seek, whereas I think there was a time that I did seek it. But to say that I never feel that there's like a reward in it would be wrong. It's just that the reward is never worth one, the exhaustion of the process and also how unprioritized I feel in the process and how like there's no room for, or oftentimes there's not room left for your emotions when you are in the role of quote, fixing the other person. However, it's the kind of thing where like, if you're not really paying attention and you're not really on it, it can certainly creep up on you because there is still a piece of it that is easy to fall into that trap. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, I, you know, I always say like, I really don't have that in me, but sometimes when it comes to Scott Disick, I just, I do. No, I know. I mean, that's, that's a whole other conversation, obviously that goes a lot deeper than this, but yes, I, I am curious. Here's, here's more general, right? Just with Pete. I am curious the way that women he dates 
like now and will date in the future, what their view is of him going in and how much that contributes to like them being into it before even really getting to know him. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it makes sense. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. No, I don't have an answer to it either. I'm just curious because Pete is like one of the celebrities where you can't say when entering a relationship with him or even potentially dating him that like you're not aware of the reputation. You just it, it just comes with the territory you are. Whether you're Madeline Klein, you're a not famous person, or you're Kim Kardashian, you understand the reputation Pete has of constantly being in a relationship. And like I I don't know. Now that we're talking about it, I am curious how much of a role that plays, if any, or if it's even just a, a, a thought process. Yeah, I I think it I think it plays a role. You know what I also think it is too is the the I can fix him when it comes to Pete is kind of its own category because another thing that people fall into, which is not the Pete trap at all, but another thing that people fall into with the I can fix him is the, you know, he's so good to me. Like he's so good to specifically me. Like I, I feel special because even though he acts a certain way or he puts on a certain persona to the world, like I'm exempt from that. And I think that people fall into that trap a lot. And Pete doesn't have that persona. Pete has the persona of being, or as, as it has been explained thus far, or for what we have seen explained thus far, he has the persona of being the same front facing as he is behind the doors. He has the same, you know, kindness to the public, presumably as he does in his relationships. And so I think that what we're seeing with Pete is kind of this, um, this built-in safety net of being able to live out that I can fix him thing, but without getting into those typical traps that people often find themselves in. I just think it's really interesting. No, it is. It's a, it's a fascinating conversation. But all to say, I'm a fan of this couple. I think they're hot. I think they're young and fun. And from what we know, they both seem to be really kind people. So more power to them. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, Once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. 
Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Okay, so the last time we talked, Joe and Sophie, it was just not a good situation. Things were dark. And I'm not saying it's great, but it's certainly looking a little bit better based on some of the headlines we've been receiving. Most recent was from the 13th. It says, inside Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner's custody resolution, quote, they're on the path to healing. This is via Us Weekly. Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner are in a better place after coming to a custody agreement for their two daughters. Quote, they're on the path to healing and to being healthy co-parents. They're both on the same page and Insider exclusively tells Us Weekly, it's definitely not as contentious now. They're taking steps forward. The estranged couple reached a temporary agreement earlier this week after a heated back and forth over their daughters. The pair were set to go to trial after Sophie sued Joe last month, but that's off the table now that they've agreed to a custody schedule through the end of the year. Quote, they spoke recently and it was amicable and that triggered a quicker resolution. The source tells us they did it for the kid's sake and didn't want to drag it out. Which like, that is what I would have expected from the jump, but that's obviously not what we got from the jump. So I'm just saying it it does feel a little bit like a different world than three weeks ago. Well, what you're seeing now is the dust settling a little. And what we understood about, or what we now understand about this initial split between Joe and Sophie is that it seems to have happened fairly quick. And it seemed to have been really heightened emotions and a really short period of time. And it wasn't like this, or at least it didn't seem like this progression of issues that then led to a split after trying to make it work. It seemed like issues that piled up that then reached a moment of explosion and then a divorce announcement came soon after. Like what we're seeing now is we have now given it a little bit of time since that happened. They're now able to kind of settle and refocus and focus on the kids and focus on a amicable plan going forward, knowing that that's the only option they have. And so, yeah, that's exactly what you're seeing here. You were seeing really heightened emotion. And now you're seeing two people that have kind of seen the light at the end of the tunnel and know that the only way out is through. Yeah, we'll stay updated on that, but it honestly seems a lot more calm than it did for a while there. And specifically in like the post Sophie and Taylor public restaurant outing era, which like I'm sure will continue, but there's nothing like that, that first hit. There is nothing like that first via Corona walk by. I will never be the same. I think that the entire progression of the Sophie and Taylor relationship is so fascinating to look at. Because it's not like these are two people, or presumably it wasn't like these are two people who were best friends and now are leaning on each other and Sophie's leaning on Taylor post-divorce. This was a situation, as it was presented to the public, of Taylor, who dated Joe Jonas, who then became friendly with him and Sophie as a couple and maybe spent a little bit of time together, but It's not like we saw Taylor and Sophie Turner hanging out solo constantly prior. And then all of a sudden this divorce happens and they're having dinner together multiple nights in a row. Sophie is with her at that Jets Chiefs game in the box. Taylor is giving Sophie one of her New York investment properties for Sophie to stay in while she navigates this with Joe. I mean, the entire progression of this relationship is another thing. It's kind of like the Travis Kelsey of it all. We're like, 
all of a sudden it just unfolded before our eyes. But I just think from Joe's perspective, like I'm okay, I'm really trying to think carefully how I want to say this because it has the potential to sound ridiculous, but you can't remove the role that public perception and the PR machine plays into a situation like this. And I do think that the Sophie Taylor thing was like such a power move. Like when it came to Joe reacting to this whole thing in the sense of that is the last thing that he needs. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's no quicker way to get the public not on your side than to have your ex pair up with Taylor Swift in a way that just feels so intentionally girl power. Like, I don't know how else to say it. I I just, there's a part of me, it sounds so crazy. It's like, what does Taylor Swift have to do with the ease of the divorce proceedings? I'm not saying technically it changed anything. I'm just saying that certainly was a power move from a PR angle. Absolutely. Especially because there was also a disadvantage for Joe already in the PR game that he was maybe trying to play or that it seemed as though he was trying to play which was coming off as this sort of campaign against Sophie. And so for Sophie to play the PR game in an entirely different way, which was to not respond to what Joe was saying, to not respond to any of the source quotes that were out there that maybe weren't directly from Joe's mouth, but the public were kind of taking it as such. And for her PR game to be, I'm going to have dinner with Taylor Swift and put out this message of like, here I am thriving and supported. Like, yeah, it, it kind of, it, it flipped it on its head. And we were saying that when we discussed this, we're like, you know, it's so unnatural to be going through a divorce proceeding and have it be as messy as divorce proceedings are, whether you are a celebrity or not, and then have to add that added element of playing the PR game. No, totally. And I just, I, you know, it's not something we'll ever know, but like, I wouldn't love to have a more exact understanding of, of the role that that played. Me too. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather. And their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blank and I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality. And their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30-night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. 
And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, so there's a lot going on with Jada and Will, and I don't necessarily mean a lot going on currently, but more so there's a lot being revealed in that Jada is currently doing press for her book, Worthy, that comes out on the 17th. And anytime there are quotes flying around about Will and Jada, there's that meme that goes viral, which is like, everything I've learned about Jada and Will Smith has been against my will, which is funny because it's true. <laughs> like, It just feels that they both seem to derive a lot of joy from what I think many would consider oversharing. I personally don't get bothered by it just because I'm like, as long as the other person is down for you saying this, if you want to share it, go ahead. Like, It's not their fault that what they say then gets picked up and blasted everywhere, but that's a separate conversation. Anyway, Jada does this interview with Hoda to promote her book that, like I said, comes out the 17th. And some of the key takeaways, the first was the fact that her and Will have been separated for the last six years, which obviously came as a shock to most people. And I want to read a direct quote. She said, I think by the time we got to 2016, we were just exhausted with trying. I think we were both kind of still stuck in our fantasy of what we thought the other person should be. I made a promise that there will never be a reason for us to get a divorce. We will work through whatever. We just got deep love for each other and we we're going to figure out what that looks like for us. And you know, she was then asked why they never shared that news with the public. And she said, it just came down to not being ready yet. Still trying to figure out between the two of us, how to be in a partnership in regards to how do we present that to the people, we hadn't figured that out. What was interesting about this was the way that it kind of led into the conversation about the Oscar slap, because let us not forget when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock across the face and said, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth, Jada is talking about this to Hoda and she's saying, first of all, I'm really shocked because mind you, I'm not there. We haven't called each other husband and wife in a long time. I'm really worried for Will because I don't know what's going on. Chris looks to me and he says, Jada, I meant no harm. I'm just out of it because I'm really worried about Will and Will's still talking. Now he's mad because Chris is talking to me and I go, Chris, this is about some old shit. That's all I could think of saying, right? And I couldn't really take in his apology. She then spoke more about this to people because in her book, she reveals that back in the day, Chris Rock had once asked her out on a date. And she says to people, I think every summer, all the reports would come out that me and Will were getting a divorce. And this particular summer, Chris, he thought that we were getting a divorce. So he called me and basically he was like, I'd love to take you out. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, well, aren't you and Will getting a divorce? I was like, no, Chris, those are just rumors. He was appalled and he profusely apologized. And that was that. What an interesting little anecdote that like certainly provides a little bit more context to one, the whole Oscar situation, but just like generally a little tidbit of information that I I am interested by. I know everyone says like, we're learning all of this stuff that we don't care about. I care about that. I certainly care about the Oscars slap with both of those added elements. I mean, the fact that they're separated and hadn't called each other husband and wife in a while, and also the Chris Rock asking her out element of it. And I think what's, I think what it is with the Oscar slap is that we have a little bit of Oscar slap fatigue where it's like, 
you know, it keeps getting asked about in all of these random interviews. And everyone's like, why is this being brought up? Like, why is this being brought up to people that have absolutely nothing to do with it? And so I think for a while, we're like, if we hear one more thing about the Oscar slap, we're going to lose our mind. But to actually hear about it from Jada's perspective and to have that added piece of information of like, they were separated and hadn't called each other husband and wife is like, I, 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 there's no part of me that ever thought that that was going to be the case. The added layer of, you know, Chris Rock having asked her out is just such important context. I think the thing that I can't get over just from her POV is like, in all of the times I have thought about what was going through her mind when that happened, never once did I think she would have been thrown off by the term wife. Like that was the one piece in all of this that was not at all up for discussion for me. Meanwhile, that was the thing in the first moment that caught her off guard the most. Right. I never in a million years would have thought that. It just goes to show you how like a picture or a video or picking up on someone's expression can tell you a lot, but there's always going to be some behind the scenes context that you just have no idea about. And this is prime example of like, absolutely no one in that theater had any idea that that was one of the things going through her mind. I have to read something to you that's not Will and Jada related. Read it. I just saw this tweet from Popface that says, a source tells ET about Travis Kelsey being protective of Taylor Swift at an SNL after party they attended together. Quote, at one point, he actually told her security guard that he could step aside, like he'd (gasps) take it from here. That's the hottest thing I've ever heard. Ever. That's the hottest thing I've ever heard. No, I I know. No, 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 no. no, no. I'm I'm not okay. I need to date a tight end. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so hot. I know. Fuck, that is so hot. If I'm her, no, that is like nothing. Yeah, that's me like on number like that, one, right? That's number one. Because you want to know something? To me, there's nothing hot at all about like a hot headed guy or a guy that is excited about the idea of confrontation. Like that does nothing for me. But a guy that is comfortable enough in his ability to protect and can protect if necessary and wants to protect if necessary, that's hot to me. You know, it's like not picking a fight for no reason, but the fact that you feel as though, and by the way, Taylor security is not stepping aside because like, I think they're still liable just because Travis Kelsey told him to, but like the fact that you feel as though you are capable and you are willing to accept the liability of defending, even in, I don't give a shit if they're in a private after party, a catch defending the most famous, wealthiest, highest liability person ever. That is so hot. I love your confidence and your ability to protect. I just think protective instinct is like probably number one. It's high. It's it's for like sure. That is there. like that is it. Wow, what an amazing way to end the podcast. That is like the hottest fucking thing. I'm going to be thinking about that. I know, me too, for a while. What do you think he said to, to the security? Not you can step aside. He probably was like, "Treat yourself. I got, I got this one. I'll, I'll make sure she gets home safe." I think he said, "It's it's okay, buddy. You can you can fall back. I I, uh, I got this. <laughs> not a fallback." I know. There's something so hot about a guy that just like, yeah, fuck. Okay, well, I think that's it. We love you guys. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. And we'll see you later this week for Kardashians and Bravo. 